At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea. Totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of 7th Generation. Find 7th Generation laundry detergent and fresh lavender and other scents at 7thGeneration.com. Hello there, I am Monica Reinagel, and you're listening to the Nutrition Diva Podcast, where every week we take an evidence-based look at the latest nutrition topics and trends. And this week, we're going to explore the research on how different sources of protein affect satiety, or how long they keep you full. But first, I wanted to answer a really interesting question that came in this week from Pamela, who wrote, is adding sugar to grapefruit the same as eating a sweeter fruit? Is there a difference between using sweet cherries in a recipe and using tart cherries plus sugar? Is one better than the other? This is actually a very astute question. The naturally occurring sugar in fruit is generally given a pass. After all, the amount of sugar that you'd get from a serving of fruit is relatively modest and it comes packaged with vitamins, minerals, fiber, water, and various phytonutrients. It's all good. On the other hand, we've been well-trained to regard added sugar as a dietary demon. We're advised to limit our intake of added sugar to no more than 10% of our calories, or less than 5% if you're a nutritional goody-two-shoes. And thanks to recent updates in our Nutrition Facts labeling, you can now easily see the amount of added sugar broken out from the amount of total sugar in packaged foods. So for general nutritional wellness, as opposed to diabetes management, for example, we're told that that added sugar number is the only one we need to worry about. Now, this predictably has led to some food industry shenanigans. For example, right next to the regular jams and jellies, which are made with fruit and sugar, you're going to find jams and jellies that are sweetened only with concentrated fruit juice, and these are presumably better for you because no added sugar. But if you look at the nutrition facts labels on these products, you'll see that while the added sugar content is quite a bit higher in the traditional jams than in the fruit juice sweetened jams, the total sugar content is very similar. Is there a real difference in terms of how these two products affect your body? I'm not so sure there is. Another example are the popular Lara bars, which are sweetened with dates. So a Lara bar may have the same amount of total sugar as another snack bar that's sweetened with, say, honey. But while the sugar in honey will be listed as added sugar on the Nutrition Facts label, the sugar from the dates won't because dates are fruit. Now, dates, of course, are a bit of an exception in the fruit world. They are very concentrated sources of sugar. An orange, for example, has 13 grams of naturally occurring sugar. 
an apple has about 16 grams. A banana has about 15 grams. But a similar size serving of dates has 45 grams of naturally occurring sugar. Sweetening a bar with dates allows you to achieve a very high sugar content, but still have zero added sugars, which is what we've trained people to pay attention to. But in terms of how these foods are going to be digested and metabolized, I'm hard-pressed to see a meaningful difference between the sugar in honey and the sugar in dates. With all of that in mind, let's return to Pamela's question. What's the difference between having an orange for breakfast and having half a grapefruit sprinkled with a teaspoon of table sugar? If we were to print out nutrition facts labels for these two foods, the orange would show 13 grams of sugar, of which zero grams are added sugar. The sugared grapefruit would also show 13 grams of sugar, but four of those grams are added sugar. And then both the orange and the grapefruit would also be delivering some vitamin C, some potassium, a little fiber, and various citrusy phytonutrients. Again, I'm hard-pressed to declare that the grapefruit sprinkled with a little sugar is any less healthful or nutritious than the orange. So I'm afraid that the answer to Pamela's question isn't quite as straightforward as she, or maybe you, might have hoped. First, we need to make sure we're comparing two similar foods and formats. For example, whole fruits, or dried fruits, or bars, or jams. But then, if both of them are delivering about the same amount of total sugar, I think we can consider them more or less equivalent, even if one of them contains added sugar and the other doesn't. Now, I realize this is going to strike some of you as nutritional heresy, and really, I have no one to blame but myself, because I have certainly been among those beating the drum about the importance of limiting added sugars. But as these examples show, our black and white thinking about added sugar and total sugar might benefit from a little more nuance and common sense. Now, of course, you can absolutely keep it simple and stick with the options that have no added sugar. Just be aware that products sweetened with fruit juice concentrates or dates, which aren't considered added sugars, may easily contain the same amount of total sugar as those sweetened with sugar or other concentrated sweeteners that do show up on the Nutrition Facts label as added sugars. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea. Totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of 7th Generation. Find 7th Generation laundry detergent and fresh lavender and other scents at 7thGeneration.com. And now let's tackle the question of how well different protein sources fill you up. And first, I want to just quickly review the difference between satiation 
and satiety. Satiation refers to feeling satisfied at the end of a meal, that feeling that prompts you to stop eating. And foods that are high in fluids or fiber and foods that require more chewing, which are often foods that are less processed, all of these contribute to satiation. Satiety, on the other hand, is a little bit different. That's how long after a meal you stay satisfied before you start to get hungry again. And here, protein is the clear winner. Meals that are higher in protein have been consistently shown to increase satiety compared with meals that have the same number of calories but less protein. Studies have shown, for example, that people who eat eggs for breakfast are significantly less hungry three or four hours later than those who eat cereal or bread, even if they're eating the same number of calories. And they also tend to eat less at the next meal. So obviously, this could be really helpful if you're trying to manage your weight because it may make it easier for you to cut down on your total calorie intake. But does the kind of protein make a difference? Does egg protein get you any further than the same amount of protein from dairy or soy or nuts, wheat or beef? Well, over the years, researchers have pitted lots of different types of protein against one another to see if any of them were superior in terms of the satiety they provided. Now, the protein source that seems to come out on top most often in this respect is whey protein, which has shown greater effects on satiety than eggs, tuna, turkey, soy, and even casein, which is the other primary protein in dairy. But look, if you enjoy eggs for breakfast, there's no need to trade in your scramble for a smoothie. Egg protein still stacks up quite well against the other sources. And for those of you who don't want to consume any animal products, both soy and pea protein appear to be competitive in terms of satiety as well. Remember that these sort of studies are looking to eliminate as many variables as possible. So the proteins they test are often isolated from their original food sources and delivered in a powdered concentrate. In the real world, obviously, we're more likely to be eating beef than powdered beef protein concentrate. And my point is that controlled research conditions don't always translate neatly into our messy lives. In terms of the effect on appetite, the total amount of protein matters at least as much, if not more, than the source of it. So if a certain food is a more convenient, affordable, calorie-efficient, or palatable way for you to bump up the protein, I think that's ultimately going to matter more than the relatively minor differences in its effects on your satiety. And finally, I want you to keep in mind that these sort of studies are looking at the average or the median effects on a whole slew of subjects. And you, my friend, are not a statistical likelihood. You're a single individual, and you may or may not experience the average result. In fact, I feel quite certain that you are well above average. So research like this can suggest where you want to start your investigation, but it certainly shouldn't determine where you finish it. To find out what works best for you, you need to do some N of 1 experimentation. And an N of 1 experiment is an experiment with just a single subject, you. 
In the Wayless program that I run with Brock Armstrong, for example, we have our members do a series of N of 1 experiments to discover what foods and meals work best for them. And that's both in terms of satisfying their hunger, as well as what works logistically and what they actually enjoy eating, because that matters too. For example, one day you might top your lunchtime salad with a small can of tuna, and another day a couple of hard-boiled eggs. A third day, you could try the same salad topped with a half cup of garbanzo beans, and a fourth day, you try it topped with half an avocado. So all of those salads have roughly the same amount of calories, but different amounts and different sources of protein, fiber, and fat. So your assignment then is to take notes on how satisfied you feel when you finish your salad, and then how hungry you feel three hours later. These types of experiments can tell you a lot about your own highly personalized response to different food combinations. And if you'd like a copy of the worksheet that we use for this in our program, drop me an email at nutrition at quickanddirtytips.com and I'll be happy to share it with you. For me, the unifying theme of the two topics that I covered in today's episode is that we always need to use common sense when we're applying dietary guidelines and research results to our individual situations. In the case of the guidelines around added sugar, for example, following the letter of the law may not always produce the intended effects. And clinical research on protein satiety may not be the final word on what kinds of protein foods are going to work best for you. I look forward to your comments and your questions. You can email me again at nutrition at quickanddirtytips.com or leave me a voicemail at 443-961-6206 and your question might be featured in a future episode. Nutrition Diva is a Quick and Dirty Tips podcast. It's audio engineered by Nathan Sems with script editing by Adam Cecil. And big thanks also to Morgan Christensen, Holly Hutchings, Davina Tomlin, and our intern Cameron Lacey. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week. Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea, totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of seventh generation. Find seventh generation laundry detergent and fresh lavender and other scents at seventhgeneration.com.